Movies entertain. Entertainment leads to emotions. Those emotions connect us to our enjoyment of film. And that is why we exist. To focus on the emotional connection more than the technical merit. Because every movie makes us feel something. Welcome everyone to Minisode 51 of the Feelin' Film Podcast. I'm Aaron and joining me to dig a little deeper into the new indie thriller, Searching, is Feelin' Film contributor and the man behind Every Movie Has a Lesson, Don Shanahan. Hello, everyone. Good evening. We're here because having seen rookie director Anise Shiganti's first feature film left us amazed and wanting to have a conversation about it, and we think that you'll be feeling the same way, too, after you see it. With that said, we are a show that talks spoilers so that we can thoroughly engage in how the film made us feel. Please, please, please go see Searching. We cannot stress this enough. Films like this need your financial support, but also go see it because it's absolutely one of the best films of 2018 and you don't want to miss this. All right. Spoiler warning. Spoilers are in effect and off we go. Yes. And this is such a movie you don't want spoiled for you. Just to say it one more time, get off the podcast, come back when you're done. Absolutely right, man. There are twists and turns to be had aplenty. Hey everybody, this is future Aaron with a little bit of a correction. You're about to hear Don and I talk about searching and we often will call the daughter Chloe and the father Peter. Those are in fact the wrong names. The daughter's name is Margot, the father's name is David, the brother's name is Peter. So please ignore our confusing use of names and just know that this is what we really meant. All right, thanks. Well, we always lead off with our one-word takeaways, so I'm going to jump in here, and then you can follow me up. Yes, sir. My one-word takeaway was instant for me. I had no debate about this whatsoever, and that is anxiety. Oh, I hear you. That sound is how I felt, exactly. I mean, you know, as a thriller story and from the parental angle, both. So I was breathless for so much of this movie. The way that this story is told entirely on screens and devices is amazing, but the editing of that is what made it really a captivating experience for me. And it was just so, so, so intense. As a parent, watching a father discover all of these things about his child was terrifying to me. And I think, I think I know my own teenage daughter, <laughs> but it makes me wonder, do I? You know, Peter thought he did as well. But uh, yeah, so man, this was the most anxious I've been watching a movie in ages, and it really did a number on my nerves. Oh my gosh. I, I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a parent of a five-year-old and soon to be four-year-old, so I'm not there yet. But I, I, I have a strong enough brain, and I'm a school teacher where I see this all the time, where enough of this made me just shiver just thinking of when that's going to ever be my own, let alone the students and the kids I see every day, where this is their world and where the the, the pitfalls that are out there are just innumerable. Um, I sat next to um, a, a wife of a, of a top flight critic here in Chicago, and uh, and she has two 20-something daughters who obviously have gone, gone through all this and gone through the cell phone age and all that. And I thought she was going to have a hard time sitting next to me. She just kept clenching her husband. She kept clenching the seat handle next to me. And it, it was it's an ex to watch just the, the squirminess come out of people it is is uh, not that I'm sitting here with popcorn in my mouth going, ha ha, let's see these people really get messed up. But no, that that's such a draw and that's such an appeal because 
um, this movie does it, uh, in my opinion, without tropes. It's really impressive that, that this anxiety feels so, I know it's a cheesy word to say, but organic. You know, yeah. it feels just topical, possible, um, plausible. Yeah. You know, in so many layers and ways. Really um, does. My one word takeaway is sensational. Um, I gotta go to two of the dictionary definitions of the word, uh, as a range of describing searching when it comes to using sensational. First thing for sensational is arousing or tending to arouse as by lurid details, a quick, intense, and usually superficial interest, curiosity, or emotional reaction. This movie is no more than 95 minutes or so. It, it's such a taut, finely cut, super sharp, right on point film where I, I, and it also because this is an unfathomable situation that none of us want to envision. And yet we keep ourselves up at night as parents, hoping it never does, or the, we get the hamster wheel going in our head every twist and turn in the movie. So just that idea of mental curiosity and emotional reaction. I don't know. I don't know anybody who can sit during this film and not have a jaw drop, a pulse rate raise, an eyebrow or two go up or just a gasp every now and then. And not from shock, not from shock value, not from horrors, not from jump scares, just from gravity of the situation. Um, so for me, that's where sensation goes. The other part of it is in, in a second definition of sensation is the, sim uh, the simple way of saying exceedingly or unexpectedly excellent or great because man, oh man, I walked out of this film. Uh, I got to see it twice. I walked out of this film in May um, at the Chicago Critics Film Festival. Um, and I just took a flyer on it because I saw like a good premise. And I was stunned then where I was, I was just amazed by just what they did in terms of craft and all the things we're going to talk about. And then watching it again last night in an audience of receptive public people and to absorb more of it again, because I kind of, I knew what was coming and all that. It's just for this film to come out of nowhere, like we're, like we're going to start talking about from a rookie director, from first time producers, from, um, an unassuming guy like John Cho, even in terms of his, his acting. We've never seen him do this kind of thing, you know, play his age and be a parent and all that. Just every, and I'm not an expectations guy. I've gone on that soapbox plenty, but just unexpectedly excellent or great because the more I think about, it, I can't find the flaw. It, it's just such a sharp movie. Yeah. That it absolutely is. Yes. So the style of this film that we've talked about is not exactly unique. Plenty of other films have tried this before using screens. Unfriended comes to mind. I actually am a big fan of the original Unfriended. Its sequel came out a couple months ago, which is pretty much the same premise minus the horror. But like it's got the same idea of using just a laptop screen or such to tell the story. And um, it's not done in a way that is nearly as accomplishing as this one is. I would call this so far as groundbreaking. And I think one of the things that makes it so scary is how realistic the screen use is to our everyday life experience. I was super impressed with the way it was edited mm -hmm. to switch back and forth between an Apple uh, an iMac screen or a cell phone screen or a GPS device or news footage it really does move around in various yeah. ways and it's it's pretty amazing i thought you did you you loved it i guess as much as i did huh oh yeah i mean just um i, I think 
I think this would be a stale experience if you only had one particular screen you went through. But the that the layers they put into this film, like you're saying, to move from different devices, to move to different scenarios, and still and still keep the momentum of this film. Yet, even though you have when you switch these devices, you have in essence you know, almost screenplay level transitions of, of scenes in a way when you think about it, from a FaceTime moment to a morning after on a different kind of moment and but no the editing is fantastic because i like the way you said it because the realism um these are the ways we would use these particular tools in our everyday life and that's what that's what we're doing especially if you're peter if you're you're an it guy at a company where he's using auto dialers he's he's always got that screen open you know and and that um at the Q, uh, the filmmakers from this film did a Q&A at the screening I had at the festival. And they said the most saving grace that made this film possible was, was something not of their own doing, but just, just the way the program works. That FaceTime stays on camera even when you're not, when it's open and you're not recording. He says that was the saving grace of this film because when you have that going, even when it's off, you can continue the scene. You can see the reactions. You can see kind of that secondary downtime or just the, how a, a moment will change when when the person who's you're watching doesn't know they're getting watched anymore there's almost an element of there's a high element of voyeurism but then there's another layer of then there's another layer of voyeurism past that so yeah the impressions there were 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 just really solid um i heard from the the gentleman who made the film um that this was a room of five guys you know two editors a writer a producer and director they put this film together on a pair of imax and for me it couldn't be more shaped any cleaner or any sharper more precise um to me that mouse pointer moves like a scalpel instead of a machete it just yeah. you know it draws your eye over and your attention over and i don't care if the screen you're looking at is like you said it's a fancy pants new modern imac or if it's terrible vga resolution windows xp you're watching you're following you can't help but have your eyes go where you think your eyes are going to go because like you said this is a native technology where we know where we're looking at too yeah, no, that's a fantastic point. And I felt the same way when we, first of all, it also provides some humor when we're using older technology because the moment that Windows XP fires up, there's laughter erupting in the crowd. And oh, yeah. Because we all have this memorable experience with a p- certain piece of software or a flip phone or whatever the case may be. But yeah, when you watch that mouse move, I love how you describe that as a scalpel because that's what it feels like. It's, that's the intensity level I was talking about. The anxiety mm-hmm. is like, you're going to watch it. The, the, the adding and subtracting of texts was another mm-hmm. big contributor to that for me. So you see Peter, the, the father typing out a text message in iMessage and then backing it up and repeating it or backing it up and changing what he said. That's something we all do, right? Yeah. And, and it's layered. It, it gives you from an editing standpoint, it, that immersion and that like, Ooh, is he going to actually hit send or, Oh, he backed that up and like mm-hmm. that level of voyeurism. Now, you know, something he left unsaid that he really is thinking. So it just, it goes kind of deep. Yes. Um, and I, uh, the, the deal about the multiple screens too. I love that. I did not know that that was an intentional thing, but you're right. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't work if FaceTime didn't stay on. Yeah. Because it would become unbelievable it'd be like well why would that camera still be there why would why would that actually be happening and the same goes for him being an it guy bringing that up is important these are the details that they handled so well in the film and the storyline to make sure that it doesn't come across as kind of 
this unrealistic scenario. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, we get to see him interacting with his company in a teleconference call. It's a video yeah. chat. Well, of course, that's what he would be doing. <laughs> right. And it almost it almost em, um, emboldened his actions to follow because I know a couple of people who just aren't as super tech savvy are going to watch him put together that Excel spreadsheet of, you know, Facebook profile pictures with columns of information and sorted data and be like, no one's going to do that. Make the make the equivalent of the serial killer yarn picture, but only do it in Excel. But no, you watch him be an IT guy and you want that's his skill set. And it's an instantaneous skill set that he's like, no, I'm going to do that. Or he's going to drop a pin on a map and like just, but that's now that's us. That's, that's how we all interact and move. And he's just at a higher level than that. So this isn't the, I think, I think a different version of this movie is the hapless father who, you know, is so low tech or so disconnected that he, that he can't keep up with any of this stuff. But this is a tech savvy guy still trying to solve a tech savvy situation. And it's, you know, it's, I don't know. It's just a high level of the game, I guess. Yeah, no, 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 no doubt about that. And I think many of us these days, like you said, would try to insert ourselves in the situation the way that he does because we would feel capable. Mm. He's every bit as capable as finding this information as Dick is and finds it quicker in some cases than she does. Yeah. And I think he also feels that way because of guilt and guilt. Yes. But speaking of editing, um, I've actually seen others in early reviews compare the opening sequence of this film to something like Up for its emotional resonance and the what takes place. Because essentially, to recap, you all should have seen the film if you're still listening to us because I'm. this is mm-hmm. like spoilers right off the bat. But right. what we do is we go through this life, time in the life of, of this family and we lead up from uh, the daughter's birth, Chloe's birth, all the way up through, is it Pam, I think, is the, the wife's name, uh, coming down with lymphoma and eventually succumbing to that and passing away. And I was immediately hooked. The score for this film is amazing, and it starts right off the bat here. The way that it ebbs and flows, giving you the different emotional beats um, and kind of evoking those in you along with the images you're seeing, the way at which the editing just... For me, it, it expertly leads you down these paths without saying anything. So when you see, I, I'll give an example. The one that hit me the hardest, Don, is the calendar event. Chloe is putting a calendar event on her Google calendar and it says, mm-hmm. mom coming home. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself immediately, like when she went back to click it, I was like, I actually whispered out loud to someone next to me and say, oh my God, don't delete it. Don't delete it. Don't delete it. Like, because you know, right? If you're so, this is our lives. Like we all live this way. This is not characters that we are imagining ourselves as or having to project. Like we do these things that these people do. And so, you know, already like, oh, she's probably going to delete this and what that means if she does. And of course it's brilliant because it doesn't delete it the first time she moves it and you're like, oh, and you're kind of like, okay. Stay of executing. We're okay. We're okay. But then the mm-hmm. second time she does delete it and it just, it's really brilliantly done. I thought. Yeah. I, it's just, that's the thing for me that also sold me is that this, that opening sequence is going to sneak up on so many people because of how this film is being marketed. It's being marketed as this borderline horror thriller, this, you know, ultra intense, dun, 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 you know, messed up crazy movie. So you're going to have this voracious, voracious audience expecting, you know, peril or unfriended. And, and then, and then this opening is just going to smack them across the face with, 
realism and family feels and and immediate connection that it's going to even build up their own feelings of oh gosh i i kind of actually care about these characters because of how what beautifulness i just watched and not just oh here comes the buffet of the victims coming across these screens no this when you watch those things moment those happen and you see those documented moments and like you said the the, the quick span of life and how fragile it is to have that be in the microcosm of stored images and data to see that play out that's going to grab people more than just it's just, it's better than character establishment. It's tone establishment. And and then when you have to take that tone and change it and make it more perilous, it, it, it resonates more because it's, it's gotten you so attached. And, and yeah, up is a fantastic comparison because, um, and, but this is, and, and we, I don't think any of us saw that coming with up yeah. either. We saw, we all saw the trailers for up like, Oh, this could be a fun house adventure with an old man and a kid. And then we realized, Oh, wait a minute. His wife is dead. You know, and, yeah. Just bang, it hits us first 10 minutes. And, and I, I had tears in the first yeah. 10 minutes of this movie because of that opening. I did too. And I think it sells also what we need to buy into of Peter and Chloe's relationship because mm-hmm. all we get is snippets. All we get is yes. what they show us. We see these happy moments between father and daughter and we get to believe or be led to believe because of the pieces of her life and his life that we get to see that they have this great relationship or we're just naturally prone to assume that for sure. And when you think back after watching this movie, you realize that's insane. Like why in the world would we ever project that much of a relationship, you know, status onto a people that we've seen pictures of, you know, a couple of times at different points in their lives. And so it, it sets us up really well for what is going to come later. That's even a bit of another layer of the suspense and voyeurism is that, you know, the projecting part, it, it's still all of the implied and unseen, you know, that the best suspense and the best horror is the stuff that's non-explicit, the stuff we don't see. And because we, we get enough snippets of Peter being a good father, but we don't see enough snippets of other things. And especially her, the, the daughter, just what she's up to. Like we see a lot of Peter being a dad and ha- his influence, but we don't exactly know her or she, or the actress who plays her, who's just, in a, you know, also a debut performance, you know, she has just a, a very flat, calm face where, you know, she, she looks vibrant, she looks fine, but you just don't know what's going on. And once you have that death of a parent, you just don't know how that's going to hit a kid. And that is left a mystery because that's kind of where the, this family starts is that uneasiness of where they are. So that also sets us up too, because the, when we start to get to the, why could this happen? What are the reasons for runaway or crime or all the different breadcrumbs that are along the way? We don't know. We thought we feel, we, we think we feel it. We have those snippets. Like you said, we're projecting, gosh, he's going to be okay. This is a good, this is a good kid and a good dad, but we, maybe not. We don't know. Yeah, that's very true. Well, the parental guilt um, oh. is oh. devastating in this to watch. There's, a, I just, as a parent of a teenage girl and you're a parent, your, your kids aren't quite this old yet, but it doesn't really matter. Once you're a parent, you're a parent. And, the feelings that this film evoked and, and frankly chose performance in this, he is now given one of my favorite performances of the year in back to back years. Last year it was in Columbus, this mm-hmm. very quiet drama, like just conversational romance, sort of not really yeah. film that I, I love and champion. And now this, but he embodied what I think every parent would really go through. Uh, There's these moments where he says, I should have called her sooner. I should have known. 
the guilt that he has of missing her phone calls in the middle of the night when she was trying to call him before she went missing that moment of discovering her you cast and realizing how alone she was specifically the one where he watches her face react after he leaves mm-hmm. the room and he comes up and he's like, let's watch the voice. And you know, his, his perspective of that situation in the past now conflicting with what, the reality from hers was those are really hard and it's, it's super difficult to see him go from this happy father, seemingly happy single father to accusing his own brother of unspeakable, you know, acts mm-hmm. because he's completely unraveled. Um, yeah. It's, it's a brilliant performance to me and it captures all of that so well. The other thing that stuck out to me is, kind of with the editing and the way that the screens work, one of the aspects is the coverage that they have from the media and also online. I, I'm telling you, man, I, I wanted to scream in this movie. I wanted to puke in this movie because I was so just affected when I saw a Reddit pop up yeah. saying, you know, like, Oh, I'm sure she got raped and she probably liked it. And, hashtag parent fail hashtag Mm -hmm. dad did it like and watching him scroll through these things you don't realize the effect we are we are being put in a position whereas we you know we see this online every day yeah um and it's easy to kind of go man that's disgusting behavior why would someone do that and just brush off and move on but when you're put in the perspective of the person that it's about yeah when it's you like what if what if we were james gunn reading these same things about our character just assumed right mm-hmm. without any facts, without any knowledge. Um, those are the kind of things I thought about. So I thought the performance relating to the guilt and then just in general, the entire thing that he entire wave of emotions he had to go through was just, gosh, it was amazing. Yeah. I, for, for me, it, it's easily one of the best male lead performances I've seen this year. Uh, I, again, unexpected, you know, um, it's, it's, I didn't, I haven't seen Columbus. It's a blind spot for me from last year. I need to see it. Um, but so often John Cho for us is the MILF guy from American Pie. He's Sulu from Star Trek. He's, you know, he, he's a, he's a dork and a dweebies Harold and Kumar, you know, so to see him play it absolutely composed and straight as a dad. And then to see, like you said, the unraveling and, and to do it acting against likely nothing but a camera in his face and a camera no bigger than what I'm looking at your face doing right now in a podcast. Like just to, to see him emote and create emotion and create even screen presence through, through all of this, the editing, the vertical video, just non-traditional looks of things, not just the voyeurism, just the, the looks of things, masterful stuff. I just like, like you said, the, the maturity and the composure and the, the, the quiet unraveling is is really really impressive. I, I did not see that coming out of John Cho. Uh, impressed to no end. Um, it felt. I feel like it's on the level of something like Joaquin Phoenix and her, where same thing. Joaquin Phoenix spends most of that movie needing to show and and pr- project all of this emotion and attachment to things that aren't there, and 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 John's doing a bit of that too in this film, and it's it's, it's really impressive. Yeah, yeah, he is, man, and it. It affects you. I mean, this is mm. this is the definition of a feeling film. Like, and that's yes, sir. that was the whole thing I thought about going into it or not going into it when I was watching it. And like you said earlier, I I didn't expect this. I didn't watch a trailer. Um, I recall I was lucky enough for you to tell me when you saw it earlier in the year that you loved it, and so I then it was the first time I'd heard about it. 
Uh, and so I just kind of said, all right, I'm going to go into this blind because I'm going to take his recommendation. And I'm so glad I did. And so I, I hope it's too late. If you're listening to hearing me say it now, I will have been saying this on social media before you hear this episode, but I hope that you listeners all were able to experience it that way. Uh, mm-hmm. Because I don't know what the trailer looks like. I, and now yeah. you're telling me it kind of, I would have guessed that it would lean toward thinking it was going to be like unfriended, but that's no, nowhere near the emotional type of roller coaster that a parent is going to go through watching this movie. Right. You know me, I'm an anti trailer guy. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll preach at that puppet all day. So one of the big, big kind of ideas that I pulled out of this was the internet is a dangerous place and also an incredible tool for good. Absolutely. Because it's all in how you use it, right? Absolutely. Oh my God. I mean, like you said, you see, you see the bad stuff, you know, the, the, the anonymity, the catfishing, the, 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 you know, the, the risks and the, the identity theft. We all hear about the cautionary stuff all the time, but because we have that tech savvy lead father, we, we see it used for good. We see how fast, you know, traffic cameras can track a car. We see how fast FaceTime can communicate you with a police officer. We see how fast things can move. I mean, this entire film takes place over the course of I don't know, five, five, six, seven days. You know, it's impressive how quickly that investigation goes good and bad. Like you said, you know, whether it's the snowballing of Reddit and, and hashtags and, you know, the news cycle or how fast that guy whips up a spreadsheet again with, with faces and clues. It's, it's, the, the 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 digital breadcrumbs are are that we that are how I, I think about how long that would have taken in, in in analog times like you know what are her friends well let me go get the phone book is it pinned on the refrigerator in the kitchen you know just all the zero tech ways that this could have been done twenty years ago just don't fit and there's no way she survives if that's the case no way none no that's I think that's the point too and and maybe we can talk about that in the end I don't know but. One criticism of this can be, well, how could she possibly stay alive? And it gets a little contrived at the end. But I mean, I think that's part of the point that you're bringing up right now is because of the technology, this is able to be solved in a manner of time that allows her to reasonably have a chance at life. Whereas these situations 20 years ago, a similar young girl is there's no no chance whatsoever because it's just not going to happen. Um. Yeah, it's it's crazy to me to think about how how good it can be, how bad it can be. You know, I was nervous a bit because I I don't necessarily wanted. I don't think that my daughter is this person. Um, of course, no one does. No, <laughs> but no one does. you know, we. I think back to we got an email from my son's. Are we were reading my son's email? Um, and he's thirteen, and there was an email he had sent to a some address and it was you know very sexual in nature and just the tone of it was completely not him and and ultimately we really decided you know it was clearly like a hack but think about this like have you had your password stolen have you had your identity stolen i work in um uh, an office where we process payments for childcare, and we have found the last several weeks we've had dozens every single week of people who've had failed payments on their auto pay due to fraud. Mm. Identity theft is a huge, huge thing. And it's not at all unbelievable that this could happen. And so you realize how unprotected your kids might be. 
And it's all in the name of convenience. Like sure. we're the same way. You know, my passwords, I guarantee you are not nearly as secure as they need to be. Why? Because I don't want to have to write them down and I don't want to have to try and remember them because I'm lazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that's why. And do I just hit save? Yes. Google save, whatever. Save my password, save my stuff. Cookies. Yes, please. Please don't make me ever have to enter it in again because I want it to be fast, fast, fast. Mm-hmm. I'm putting myself at risk because of that. And this is showing us some of the dangers that can, can come from that. Not to mention the the catfishing. You know, I've, I've lived through this personally. I've been, I've had a time in my life where I was not catfished in this way, but like I've known a person who created a Facebook page to cyberstalk people. They weren't ultimately getting into the relationship, but they were using it with fake, you know, pictures Mm -hmm. off of stock photography from a model website. This happens like, Oh my gosh, it's, it's, uh, it's terrifying. But then you see the good, you see the good because without the internet, without, the ability that he had to utilize this technology. One of my favorite scenes in the movie is the password hacking. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Um, and again, I yeah. oh, thank God for backup. Thank God for backup emails, recovery addresses, which happens to be mom. Thank goodness. What if that me, wasn't there? It, it is. And it's making me fall in love with it even more as we talk about it, because I'm realizing inside again, the editing brilliance of going back and forth in email addresses, having to backtrack, is the emotional connection of while he's doing that, it is forcing him to go into Pam's email oh, address and into memories that he doesn't yeah. want to deal with. It's like so, reaching into a casket. It's, yeah. it's, it's a cryptic moment almost. It is. It is. And, but and, it's like, worth it. and then there's the laugh of the Norton update that comes up. It's been 694 days since you updated your Norton. And then you realize that's how long it's been since but he's why? gone why? to this computer to even think about his wife. I'll admit there was some cryptic. laughter in my theater that was like really weird and and yeah. i i th- yeah. like not giggle laughter like awkward laughter but i had people like burst out laughing at a few times and i was like what is wrong with you do you yeah. have no emotional center are you not tracking what's going down here um so yeah there was a few like strange mm-hmm. situations um, yeah let, let me let me get a shout out to um but I, I think that's where the movie really oozes smarts and topicality and here's a shout out to our guy emmanuel noise that him and i saw the screening last night and talked afterwards um he said this movie and i agree with him he said this movie would not have been taken seriously a decade ago you know because so much of this social media landscape shown had not yet become as commonplace that, that we have now where older audiences like our age that have parents and, and things like that and and even older audiences that are in their 50s and 60s who have at least been Facebook and maybe even Twitter savvy for the better part of a decade, they can look at this movie and chances are they've encountered one of the pratfalls of being on the internet at least once in the last 10 years where now it's not just teens who know this because they're they're the ones that do this. All of us now have enough of this immersion in our lives that all of us can come in this movie at, with an angle of understanding or at least an angle of believability. And that's, that's, that's a really strong draw in terms of audience because we've reached a point where, you know, um, we can buy this premise in suspense. We watch it and go, we're, we're both old enough to watch it and go, gosh, th- there's no way this, like, we're, like we said earlier, if this was, if this was no tech or analog days, this girl's dead. You know, it, this too much time passes. No investigation can move this quickly, but, but because it's now, this could happen. This this could snowball in a good way or snowball in a bad way. It's, it's and yeah, but ten years ago we couldn't have made this movie. Ten years ago we were barely thinking the Social Network by Fincher had any kind of edge 
and here's here's the world that has been birthed out of stuff like that. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, uh, let's talk about the ending and the twists that occur because the few criticisms I haven't seen much of the film already, mm-hmm. um, and I, I'm like you, I am finding it harder and harder to even think of a flaw. But I've I've seen people who have said mm-hmm. you know it's a bit contrived um, or convenient the way that the detective becomes the villain, essentially. Mm -hmm. I would say this. I was completely enthralled by it. I found it to be an amazing and unexpected turn that I was not looking for. I think most films go the route of, well, she was actually the one behind all of this, Chloe setting this up, and that's what I thought. That's where I thought we were heading. Like She had the guy fake his yada, yada, yada. But no, it goes a wholly different place from that and i think that i connected with it and was able to believe it so much because it's a very emotional exploration of a mother's guilt and of a mother trying to save her daughter that really paralleled to me with peter trying to save chloe and yeah. so essentially you have these two parents that are working together in theory to help find chloe but they're both trying to save slash find slash protect their child. It's all about a parent's love for their child. That's driving both of these people, which made this so much more interesting and tragic. Absolutely. You know, uh, that's the perfect way to say it. What uh, in terms of the ending, my interpretation of what really sold it to me were the sub twists that came before it. Um, For me, this movie could have conceivably ended with an equal amount of uh, realism, plausibility and surprise twice before we even get to, to, you know, Deborah Messing's turn um, between the uncle and then kind of the random vagrant kind of suicide guy, because both scenarios still would have hit hard where often crimes like this are done by chances are it's done by somebody, you know, or somebody completely random. And both of those endings were teased and presented to us where when you think it's the uncle, you're, you start to nod and go, uh-huh. I knew it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know, like, that that could happen. Here it comes. We're going to get to this crazy big ending, and then it turns and it doesn't. And then we're and then the worst happens, especially because it happens in the exact same scene where the 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 the, the events that transpire off screen, or we got them because we're watching that happen. Like oh no, oh no. And then the rug is pulled out from under us for the uncle. We're spun into the random vagrant, which now makes it look like a murder suicide, and our brains and our and our hearts take this collective gasp of. Oh gosh, that could so happen too, because 90% of crime out there is random. So with both of those endings being teased before us, before the main ending, I should say, and both of them being so strong and so conceivable, man, I, I, I almost think it's, it's a relief almost in a way that it has the, that we make it to the cop, that, that there's, there's some sense to it or that, they went even deeper and even smarter with the way they kind of went about it. And I don't know. I think the deeper motivations were, were, were done so smartly and so well. I know contrived is there. It feels like a TV cop episode kind of thing for a second there, but no, I mean, I think it, I think the ending doesn't devalue the twists and possibilities that came before it, because if they were twists for the sake of twists, then it would, this would be cheapened. Like, Oh, now you're just messing with us. You're just stringing us along. But each of those twists that were so strong were used to push and eventually elevate to what is the greater ending because the uncle 
push this to the events that went to the vagrant. The vagrant went to the cop and it all meant and went higher and better. And it, it just, it built really well. Absolutely, man. I, I couldn't agree more. And I think it also gives us a, the ability to then have those news coverage scenes, which were some of the hardest ones in the film to watch for me because I mm-hmm. couldn't stop thinking about how we consume news media live wow. and how our media feels the need. I mean, when it was like, hey, let's see if we can get a picture of the girl. Oh, hey, here she is. Let's see if she's in the car. Let's, oh, is that her coming up? Like, we don't know what we're going to see. Just Let's leave. check the trunk like, on live TV. And you're you know? realizing how the people on the ground are feeling about that. Like the people that are, those were tough to watch. Mm-hmm. And frankly, I'm glad that it's this ended with her alive. Um, I love you know, I, I'm a big fan typically of the unhappy ending because we don't get them a lot. And I think yeah. when done right, they can be really, really unique and um, stand out. But I, I needed, I needed this after, after watching it, I needed this oh, to happen yeah. and I needed, because I felt like it gives hope to families that haven't had this happen, but realizing there's a lot you can realize. And that's what I'm going to bring up next is about just what do you do from here? And yeah you know, that's their relationship changed forever, the way in which they interacted going forward. And that was important to show. Yeah. And I, and I, I too, I'm with you. Like, don't get me wrong. A a, a bad guy wins kind of ending would send a message, would rattle cages, would be an impressive, memorable experience. But because we get close enough and still have a happy ending, I think the film satisfies in that way, but also the punch is still there. You you still come out of it rattled enough where I don't ever want to get that close again in real life, let alone a movie. Like you said, you're back to anxiety. The anxiety doesn't go away. The relief is there for a little bit, but the linger is strong enough that the message is still sent. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I'm with you. And you're sold. At least I, mm-hmm. I cried. I was 100%. Oh, me too. He's in the floor and he is... I can't even think about it without crying. But like, like you said, the going back and realizing that the brother is not bad and it is just now he just wants to comfort his brother. And like, because you see that as the twist happening right then and there, you believe that moment that she is dead. Yeah. And that, that is what he has realized. And it is, it is awful. And so we do, like you said, we go through it already. So we don't need to go through it again. No. When it, we don't need it confirmed. Um, it's fine to kind of fix it for us yeah. a little bit. What do you think are some other real life implications that are going to spin out of this film? Yeah, I uh, actually read an article this morning from uh, the writer's name was Carlos Aguiar. And he's the article was on the rap.com. And he ended his article with this paragraph. And this is something I have alluded to in my own review, but he says it so well. He says, unavoidably, searching might prompt concerned adults to closely monitor their teens' activity on popular websites and even beyond that. Nonetheless, one can hope for an outcome in which, rather than inspiring anyone to implement surveillance as a preemptive measure, this exceptionally astute suspense flick can persuade us to uphold compassionate dialogue as the best analog safety feature. And I think that he hits the nail on the head here because the initial thought I had was, how do I go online and fix and protect my child? Sure. You and want the quick fix. Like, you know. And then I, in the time it took me coming home, um, you know, I'm, I started to realize and think about, that's not really what this movie is about. This movie is about the fact that like, they're not talking. 
And if they had had the fully open relationship that we want to have and want to at least try to have with our kids, then she wouldn't be hiding the money from him and hiding these relations from, from, from him. And these, these problems that occurred online would never have manifested in theory. Absolutely. No, um, don't, I'm with you. Uh, the, the quick fixes are, are the immediate things that people are going to think about the, the find my iPhone app and all the, the little, like you said, countermeasures are, are, are well and good and have them, you know, have those discussions. Uh, even my, for myself as a school teacher, um, more and more that over the re- most recent years, we've started to do more digital citizenship lessons and units into our classes as low as middle elementary, you know, third, fourth, fifth grade, let alone junior high and high school. So yeah, I, I know I'll be that guy dialing up digital citizenship lessons to teach kids how to be smart and protective about their identity and information online. Like all that is well and good, but you're exactly right. And so is the, the writer is the zero tech part of this is just straight up parental involvement, parental participation, and just make those connections with your kids, be active, be listening, be aware and it doesn't take an app to do that. It takes, it takes relationships. Simple as that. And, and this circles all the way back to that wonderful opening. It's about being a family unit and staying a family unit. No matter how you document it, no matter how you live it, no matter the things that come at you, like death of a parent, can you remain a family unit? And I love the other place where I cried the last year in the movie for me was the callback to the erased text, you know, where he wants to say, mom would be proud of you. Mm-hmm. And early in the film, when he was in his reserve, just, I, I can't deal with the place. He wants to say it, deletes it, doesn't. And then we have the moment where all we see is screen and we don't see them at the very end of the film. And we see a typing thing. We're like, wait, he's going to say some more because it looked like they had an ending of conversation. And then that's the last text. And yeah. bam, it just, yep, they got there. You know, it, it took a harrowing experience to do that, but they got there. And that, that you're right. That's the bigger journey. That's the bigger push here. Awesome. Well, I'm not going to even try to uh, follow that up, but I am going to ask you, where does this rank for you in 2018? Because we have talked some now about how much we love this and we think it's one of the best. Um, We both seem to be pretty much raving and finding it flawless. I'm curious how high it is on your list right now. It's number one. Simple as that. Um, I, I, I did a so far list back in at the end of July, at the end of June, beginning of July, just to, it, but I, all I had was a festival capsule at that point. So I really couldn't put a lot of words to it, but seeing it a second time only strengthened it more. It is just so sharp. Um, it, it, it's, it's, it's all of it. It's topical. It's feels, it's thrills. Uh, it's, like I said, it's sensational. And what impresses me more, especially watching it the second time though, is, um, I'll go back to that Q and A one more time. Um, the, the writer, the director and producer that were there, uh, Mr. Shigantry and all that, he, he said, um, he's like, guys, and he, he tipped his whole hand. He's like, guys, we put the answer to every question in this movie behind you where you're not looking in the scrolls, in the email headers, in past text messages and in, in, in history and stuff like that. He's like, we put every clue in front of you. You just need to look. We, we, we told you the killer's name or, you know, we, the, uh, perp's name and all that very one of the very first scenes and and i like and i'm like you're kidding me and so during that q a we're all gasping looking at each other like wow that was some lucky amazing things but no just the fact that we've been talking about editing we've been talking about writing and emotional impact what the next thing that impresses me more is and i know it, it doesn't sound like the, the right term to say but this is world building as big as a screen because everything you see on that screen 
is created by those guys. They created every message, every header, every every line of thing. They didn't borrow websites. You know, everything looks like Google, but it isn't exactly Google. Everything looks like FaceTime, but it's not exactly FaceTime. Like they had to create this minor world building that plays out for us. And once that level of detail was kind of revealed to me, and now I got to see it a second time and and, and go, aha, look at that. I I was over the moon about the film. Then I'm even over the moon about it more now. It, it's number one. I, I I dare something to pass it between now and December. Well, it'll be fun to see if it does. Um, I'm not going to make that proclamation yet because I want to see it again first. And I definitely want to dive in and really see what I can find in those Easter eggs. Uh, yeah. But I can say that it is a contender for my number one right now. And it, nice. it's because it is a blend of perfection from a, a filmmaking standpoint, from an innovation standpoint, and then from the emotional context as well. So you put all of those together and it's just undeniably great. And it's fantastic. I just can't believe it. I mean, this yeah. is a, a first time feature film director. Um, I wrote in my review that he is going places. And, yeah. You know, I will, I will immediately become supremely interested in whatever it is that he does next mm-hmm. from, from this one forward. And I got to also add real quick as we end, our screenings, and I don't know if every movie when they show it in the public is going to start with this or not, but the advanced screenings of this film open with a little short film, which is what Mr. Shigantry has made previously. It's about him and his mom's inspiration in his filmmaking. Did you get this? No, I did not. Oh, man. I wish you could have seen it. It is so sweet and so tender, and it's him, and it's funny, and he's talking about how she is the one who's driven him to want to be successful, and he started off doing short films and YouTube stuff. And when he got to this, he said, my one goal was that I wanted to make a film that my mom could watch and be proud of that her son made that. And he said, I think that we've succeeded. And that's the most important thing to me. How about that? It was so good. And then I off to piggyback, like there's also a review on letterboxd from his brother. That is really, really good and worth reading. Um, you usually can find it on the front page. So if you're a Letterboxd user, I suggest go check out the searching page because it's a it's a five-star review, of course. But, sure. but read it. Read what he yeah. has to say about his brother and growing up and watching him become a filmmaker and leading up to this because it is pretty great too. Now, we talked about, you know, making just rallying support for this film. Um, we The last time we got together in a podcast was for eighth grade and we said it was required viewing for teens and things like that and for parents. I feel like this is the next bookend of that. Like if you need a good double feature for your kids right here during back to school times, watch eighth grade and then watch this, you know, because I think every teen needs to watch this and go, hey, watch what you're doing. Parents need to watch it and go, know your kids. I, I just, I'm going to say require viewing when I stump for this. So yep. Absolutely. hundred yeah. percent agree. So will you take your son and daughter to it? I'm contemplating it. Yeah. If I can find time, um, the problem is how long is it going to be there? Um, yeah. now I will say, you know, maybe I don't, I, everybody listening to this has already seen it, but I will say this. I don't think that it necessarily is a movie that needs the biggest screen and theater experience. So it's going to yeah. play just, just fine at home, but I am encouraging people in the meantime. So to go see it because I want them to make money and I want, the filmmakers to be rewarded for their incredible um, work and be able to continue to make bigger and better projects financially. So um, please do encourage everyone you can, if they can make it out to see this in a theater to do so. And I, and I will be taking them if I get the chance. Yeah. Nice. All right, Don, well, where can people find you online if they want to follow more of your work? 
Uh, as usual, everymoviehaslesson.com is the hub, the shingle, the, the home base. Um, use that same search term on Facebook, Twitter, and otherwise. Um, that's where you'll get a hold of me. And you can find me on Twitter primarily at Feelin' Film Aaron or at Feelin' Film. Either one works. You can find both Dawn and I in the Feelin' Film Facebook group. Just uh, look for a link in the show notes or on the website or go to www.facebook.com slash group slash Feelin' Film. Pretty easy. Answer a couple questions. We'll approve you and you can come be a part of the growing community there that talks about movies all day, every day. It's a great place to be. Well, thank you, Dawn, for being here. This has been fun. I'm so glad we got a chance to do this. Listeners, we hope you've enjoyed it. So until next time, stay positive and keep feeling filled.